morning with Stacy Bratzel and Daryl McIntyre on 630 Chat is brought to you by Abe's Door Service, where service is their specialty. Visit abesdoor.ca. everyone. It is 7.07 and I think Sarah chose this cinnamon girl because Starbucks launched their Christmas drinks and their Christmas cup yesterday. So uh, Morley treated us to, you know, a round of Christmas inspired beverages today. So thank you very much, Mr. Scott. In early November. Well, yeah. You can feel the Christmas spirit. Christmas doesn't have to be just December 25th. We can celebrate all year long. I know, Remembrance Day. I get it. I'm wearing my poppy and I remember. I'm not going to forget. Uh, let's. Uh, we, I guess we can go down that road again, but let's not right let's now. Not. Let's, let's not. Let's not right talk, now. Let's talk about something that a lot of people have been doing or been told to do. And I know that it was suggested, um, not suggested to me, but I've, I've heard it being suggested that you take a baby aspirin or like a low dose aspirin mm-hmm. to prevent heart attacks. There's a specific not, there's a specific one out there that says eighty what is it eighty milligrams or whatever yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the low dose yeah. daily. Oh, we have it. Yeah. We have it in our house. Um, but that advice is changing a little bit. Kevin Bainey is an associate professor of medicine at the University of Alberta. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. So apparently, there's some new guidelines about whether we should or should not do this, or at least we need to check with somebody. Uh, what's what's the latest on this? Yeah, so uh, we have just presented our Canadian antiplatelet guidelines just this past weekend and uh, had the privilege of chairing and being the first author of it uh, from the University of Alberta. And so what we did is we said, okay, we're going to identify key issues uh, for patients that are out there uh, with regards to antiplatelets. And one of those issues, which were front and center with this guideline document, was whether or not to take a baby aspirin for primary prevention. What does primary prevention mean? It means, you know, people whom are out there that have not had a heart attack but are taking an aspirin to prevent a heart attack. This is very different to patients who have had a heart attack, and there's no question those patients need to be on on aspirin. But people who are taking an aspirin to prevent a heart attack when have not had a heart attack Our guidelines uh, have stated explicitly that we do not recommend routine use of a baby aspirin uh, to prevent a heart attack in those that have not had a heart attack, again called primary prevention. Uh, The reason why we made those recommendations is we combed through all of the literature and did what we call a systematic review and meta-analysis. And what we found was that, yes, there is a 10% uh, risk reduction in having a heart attack if you're on aspirin. However, there's bleeding risks associated with aspirin, and those bleeding risks offset the benefit of being on an aspirin. That's why we have said that we do not recommend it routinely. However, uh, and this is a big statement when I say however, we have uh, made what we call a best practice statement stating that, okay, there are people out there that may have uh, higher risks of a heart attack, such as diabetics, people with high blood pressure, active smokers, uh, um, as I mentioned, diabetics, uh, and um, patients with high cholesterol values that, you know, are at risk of a heart attack. And uh, those patients may be at a very low risk of bleeding. 
And so then, you know, those benefits may exist. And so what we've done is we've said, okay, well, there may be certain patients that would benefit that you should have that discussion with your physician in terms of the risks and benefits. And this guideline document walks you through nicely with a figure that presents to the patient about the risks and benefits for the patient to understand. And we've even created a uh, patient aid uh, or decision aid to help navigate those decisions. So at the end, the clinician and the patient can come up with a mutual decision as to whether or not to be on an aspirin for primary prevention. So I think it's a very unique recommendation, certainly very unique across the world, makes us as Canadians different, but I'm very confident with our recommendations. And in fact, you had this discussion with your own dad, right? Yeah, correct. That's right. Um, my father, uh, yes, has uh, risk factors and uh, has never had any bleeding issues. And, and so we did have that discussion. And indeed, he is on an antiplatelet. I, I am curious about what, what prompted this particular investigation. That is, were there serious problems uh, cropping up with, uh, with bleeding because of the blood thinners, the anticoagulants uh, uh, being yep. used? Uh, was, there, was there an alarm bell that went off and a, a red flag raised? Yeah, I think, it, you know, in general, in cardiology, we have focused so much on reducing, you know, uh, heart attacks, strokes, death with very potent um, antithrombotics is what we call it, or blood thinners, that we negated to realize the risks of bleeding. And we are now seeing that. And we now know that ble- bleeding can be detrimental. Bleeding can lead towards uh, morbidity and mortality. Uh, and uh, we're trying to strike that balance. Aspirin itself is not a benign drug. Uh, it can cause ulcers in the stomach. Uh, there are low risks of, you know, other major bleeding events. Uh, and so uh, it's not, nothing comes for free in life. And so, uh, you know, we recognize now more than ever that bleeding is an important issue and uh, that we need to strike that balance in the, in the right patient. You said that Canada is a bit of an outlier on this. Are you getting any pushback from international medical communities on this? Um, No, you know, I think that, uh, you know, I'll just give you a quick example. The Europeans are very adamant against the use of aspirin for primary prevention. The Americans uh, are kind of on the fence but have not come up come out with definitive recommendations, at least as of recent. And, you know, our um, recommendations were just literally released last weekend. And so, um, you know, it is uh, very evidence-based. You know, our best practice statement that you know, explicitly states that we think there is a small cohort of people that could benefit from it, I think is provocative. But um, and I'm sure that, you know, over time, I'm, I will get other international guidelines approaching me about our recommendations. Uh, but like I said, at the end of the day, I'm very confident with our statement. Uh, is there any uh, gender differentiation here, whether it's women using uh, aspirin or men? Because and, and maybe we need to jump down that a little bit. Women yeah. and, and, and heart disease and heart attacks present entirely different symptoms, it seems, than what men yeah. do. So does this go in, is this across the board genders? And, and maybe you can jump in on some of the differences yeah. to, between men and women. So, yeah, so we knew that that was an issue that was front and center. There's been so much in the media and the news that, okay, well, maybe men might benefit from it, but women don't. 
so we did that analysis. We looked at whether or not there was a sex difference in terms of um, our recommendations, and the answer is hands down no. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. Uh, you know, aspirin, routine aspirin used for primary prevention is not recommended. We also looked at that for diabetics versus not. Uh, those of you know older age versus younger age. So uh, it is a uniform um, uh, statement regardless of sex. Uh, however, you you know are alluding to another important uh, issue in that uh, it is very important for uh, for uh, both men and women to realize that you know the signs and symptoms of a heart attack when you present can be very different. Now, yes, there are you know sex differences in terms of their presentation, but you know, the overarching, um, you know, concerns that I have is that even in men, they can present with a very atypical symptoms. And so, uh, you know, I would say, you know, for either men or women's, women, you can present with, you know, um, tightness, squeezing, heaviness, pressure, ache on the chest, in the back, down the arms. It can be isolated to, you know, one of those. And like I said, both men and women can present with those symptoms. However, uh, you know, it is very clear that uh, what we do see is that the, you know, the, the more common presentation for men tends to be that kind of, that pressure on the chest going down the arm. Uh, you know, for women, it can be somewhat subtly different, such as signs and symptoms of shortness of breath, indigestion, anxiety. Uh, I do think that that is a key one uh, where, you know, women have uh, had some, you know, maybe some tingling in their chest but feel very nervous and anxious about it. Uh, and their chest pain itself can be somewhat different. They can, you know, maybe c- complain more of like an aching in their chest as opposed to men presenting with pressure on their chest. Uh, so, yes, there can be some subtle differences uh, between females and males, and that is still being kind of sorted out through the literature. Yeah, However, it's, it's, it good is- to, it's good to talk about this, right? Because I remember reading an article about a woman uh, lying in bed and, and feeling nauseous and vomiting yeah. and had no idea that that, it was a heart attack symptom, and I, yeah. I think women don't know that there are differences, and, and they don't present with. Uh, I think I read uh, sort of the Hollywood heart attack yep. um, symptoms yep. that we we so often think about, but. Yeah, women, you know, certainly the nausea and vomiting can be more prevalent with women. I think the other important aspect that it needs to be known is that we do know that. Women who present with their heart attack, their pathology can be very different. So women uh, more commonly present with a tear in their heart artery that causes the heart attack. And men more commonly present with a ruptured plaque, which is the traditional type of heart attack. So we're learning more about women where they, their pathology is different, where they have these tears called spontaneous coronary artery dissection that leads to, to a heart attack. All right. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. Um, I, I know we are out of time, but we did get yeah. one question on the text line. Just if you could just this ref- yeah, this sure. also applies to strokes, right? Yep. Yes, okay. for sure. All right. Excellent. Kevin Bainey, thank you so much for your time. Associate Professor of Medicine in the University of Alberta. Good to have you here this morning. Uh, we'll take a quick break and come back uh, in just a moment. This 
morning with Stacey Bratzel and Daryl McIntyre on 630 Chat, presented by Abe's Door Service. With 24-7 emergency service where you speak to an actual person. Visit abesdoor.ca. Welcome to the concrete jungle if you mill, live in Mill Woods, because you can just hop on the LRT and get right to Churchill Square. The Cement River. Forget the Cement Pond from Beverly Hillbillies. You got the <laughs> Cement River going through the southern part of the city all the way to downtown. Yeah, Valley Line LRT, uh, finally ready to go after all those uh, delays. So uh, 5.15 tomorrow morning uh, in Mill Woods, the transit uh, just off uh, 28th Avenue, mm-hmm. and then downtown at uh, Churchill Square. Those yeah, they're the gonna they're gonna points. you know have the the pomp and circumstance mm-hmm. and you know the the oompa pa bands next year. They want to see how this works so far. So we're delaying the, the pomp. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that, is that an honor? They're just, they're just, tra- they're just covering their butt. In tradition <laughs> of the LRT, we'll celebrate it in a year. Yeah, we plan yeah. to celebrate. <laughs> Good lord! Uh, hey, they just uh, open themselves up. Well, right? well, <laughs> well, they've learned from experience that maybe they should you know. Under Maybe promise, save the over- celebrations until we know it works. Let's try the under-promise, over-deliver, as opposed to the opposite. <laughs> over-promise, exactly. under-deliver. Exactly. Uh, as far as the trains themselves, uh, they're scheduled to run every uh, 10 minutes. There, there will actually be t- 11 tr- uh, trains on the tracks for opening day, ready to go and, and keep everybody rolling. The uh, head of Transed Asset Management, Patrick O'Rourke, sets you up. Depending on where the train is, uh, the train can will travel up to 80 kilometers an hour, but the train will mimic um, road conditions. If the road condition is 60 kilometers an hour, the train will be traveling at 60 kilometers an hour. 80K? What? We're trying to figure out which spots that was. That would happen. Yeah, because it says that they're going to go the same speed as traffic, and I don't know anywhere along that route where the speed limit is 80 kilometers an hour, so it must be spots where... People go 80K, but it's not the speed limit. (laughs) No. No, so there must... Well, I don't know. I guess we're going to have to ride it ourselves. Yeah. And find out. Oh, what? This weekend? Yeah, 5.15? 5.15. I'll come swing by and pick you up. Nope. All right. Um, it's going to take about a half an hour ride. So that that's going to change the lives of so many people from, you know, near Millwoods Town Center all the way to downtown Edmonton. And half these, an hour. And these people who are going to take this, they used to take the bus probably, right? And then yep. transfer and... Or so. they had to park and spend yeah. a lot of money, uh, you know, or parking for an Oilers game or, or maybe they work downtown. It's, or maybe it's they had not, to drive all the way over to the South Capitol line and then try and take it up through yep. the middle. Uh, so this make it'll be interesting to see how busy it is and how much use it, it, it gets. And I would think it would get, it's a long line. When you look at the, uh, the, the it is? It's, it's a pretty substantial little trip. Yeah. So uh, I, I think it's going to be busy. I'm just going to put myself out there and there say, I think it's going to be really busy. I think it's going to be well used. And I don't think you're wrong. Probably okay. not at 5.15 tomorrow morning, but it'll be busy. Oh, no, it's no. going to be stupid busy tomorrow morning with the looky-loos and stuff and the first riders and all that.